You are Locked On Aggies, your daily podcast on the Texas A&M Aggies, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Howdy, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Locked On Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network, Cole Thompson, right here in the driver's seat, talking all things Texas A&M. And today, why don't we break down what went wrong, because not a lot went right in Arlington as Texas A&M falls outside the top 10 and loses the Southwest Classic for the first time since 2012. So, before we begin, thank you so much for making us our first listen every single day and Locked on Aggies being your very first podcast you get to hear all the time. Remember that this is free and available on all platforms, including iTunes, Spotify, and of course, YouTube. Yep, we are live on YouTube every single day. And for all of you who want to know, I am the host of the show. You can follow me on Twitter at Mr. Cole Thompson. I love public feedback. So, anything you can do to make this a more quality sounding podcast, Monday through Friday, give me a follow, give me a shout out, and I will add it into the mix. Secondly, Locked on Aggies. Locked on Aggies is your number one source for all things 12-man related content found here on LOP. You can subscribe on iTunes, listen on Spotify, and if you can't do any of that, listen live every single day at LockedOnPodcast.com. So the score says 20 to 10. I get that. The score says 20 to 10. A&M loses by 10 points in Arlington. And I'll be the first to say this. For a while, I have said, this is the toughest game. This is always the toughest game on A&M's schedule outside of Alabama because it's a neutral site location. Neutral site games have a little bit of grandeur to them, and they do force teams to maybe struggle a little bit. And it's no one's fault, but every single year you see it happen. Even there's times Alabama looks sluggish when they play in Atlanta or Miami or Charlotte or something along the lines of that because of it just is a different field. You're not used to playing on that stadium. So every year... Texas A&M has played a close in Arlington. They just, they just have. I mean, since 2014, when the game moved back there, when the SEC happened, and, you know, they moved to the SEC, because remember that this was a move that was supposed to happen. Every year, A&M has played a close against Arkansas. There's been three times that the game has gone into overtime, and five of the six games before Saturday have ended in possessional games of one or fewer. So they've either scored a touchdown or fewer to end the game. That's how close every game has been. Keep in mind, Arkansas has not been ranked in this game since 2016. That's how long ago it was when Arkansas was actually relevant in this conversation. And yet, with Chad Morris, with Brett Bielema, even with Sam Pittman, they played it close. Even last year, when the game was played, they played it close. It was a lot closer than I think a lot of people expected because, of again, this was a three-win Arkansas team. But Sam Pittman... Never forget, Guy has been universally respected as an offensive line coach throughout his time in the ranks of college football. He has been one of the more profitable names. Like, the best way I can put it is, you know Mike Munchak? Anybody who doesn't, Mike Munchak is a very talented offensive line coach for the Denver Broncos, and he's done a really good job turning around talent that has been kind of lost or broken. Garrett Bowles, the left tackle for Denver, is probably the latest product of how well he's worked with a player who just needed the right direction and right coaching. He's done that. And he was a big name at Georgia for years. He actually was up for the running for the Arkansas job back when Chad Morris was there. I think a lot of people also forget when Chad Morris was actually going to go to Arkansas, his first choice was Texas A&M. And A&M actually made him the second choice. If they did not land Jimbo Fisher after firing Kevin Sumlin, Chad Morris is going to be the guy because of the success he had at SMU. And 
Don't get me wrong. He had success at SMU. He had much success at SMU. I think that he was the reason why they were ranked for the first time in program history in like 21 years or something like that. Either way, he had success and he was going to be the guy to take over if Jimbo Fisher didn't come. Ultimately, Fisher came. And because of that, they went with Morris. He struggled four wins in two years. They went 0-8 in his final year in conference play. And then Sam Pittman gets the job. And everyone made fun of Sam Pittman. Everyone said the Sam Pittman hire was going to be a travesty. The Sam Pittman hire was going to be a horrendous move. I don't think it is. And I don't know where anyone does think it is. Because of when you look at this game, and, and honestly, I mean, think about it. Like, this is a team that when you break it down, A&M is supposed to be a top 10 team this year. Everything that they say, defensively, they're supposed to be great. Offensively, they have the pieces. They, they're a veteran team. They're supposed to be the ones winning. And what happens? They struggle against power five teams offensively. I'm not going to put the defense that much into this because of 20 points in the SEC is not a lot of points. But when your offense can't produce at that level, it feels like it's a nightmare scenario. But don't get me wrong. A&M's defense did not show up. Everything about this A&M team was a brilliant wake-up call. I love the fact that A&M lost this game for one reason. It's a wake-up call. Do you think that you're going to be able to just float by because of great defensive play? No, you're not. That was proven on the field in Arlington. And I don't know what's going to happen moving forward with the remainder of the season because of all the other games are at either home or away venues. But you have got to wake up. You have to. Because if, if Arkansas actually is legit, you may be able to take down every other team and still make the college football playoff. But now that Arkansas has won this game, now that Arkansas has won this game, the Southwest Classic, 20-10, to 10, you are now fighting for your life to stay in the college football playoff conversation. Actually, more importantly, you're fighting for your life to stay in the New Year's Six Bowl conversation because Georgia, Arkansas, Florida, and Alabama all could be ahead of you. And you can actually make the argument that Ole Miss, even though that they shouldn't be because they had a bye week last week, could be ahead of you. And they are ahead of you in the rankings now. AM falls to number 15 in the AP poll. Uh, Arkansas moves up to number eight, I believe it is. Florida comes in at number 10. Uh, Ole Miss comes in at number 12. Georgia comes in at number two. And Alabama comes in at number one, respectively. So there's a lot to break down. And we're going to go into all of the negatives. I'm going to look at the offensive side first. Then I'm going to look at the defensive side. But before I do, we have a brand new deal for you. This episode of Locked on Aggies is brought to you by Prize Picks. Now, if you don't know what Prize Picks is, it is the leader in daily college sports fantasy. So for all of you fantasy nerds, all of you betting odds people, listen up. I got the deal for you. Prize Picks offers more than college football props, and everyone in the world is enjoying it. So all you got to do is make a quick, simple bet, whether you want to bet the over-under on a certain player, what their stat line is going to be, bet the over-under on what the score is going to be. Prize Picks allows you to get up to five picks, and you could win triple the amount of money you have. All you have to do is use the promo code Locked On, and you can receive a 100% welcome bonus back on you with your very first deposit. If they're an award-winning app, you can find them on Apple Store or on Google Play. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. Don't hesitate. Check out prizepicks.com. They use the promo code Locked On to get your app store in the app today. Prize Picks is your daily fantasy made easy, especially at the college football level. And we all love fantasy, so go ahead and get involved with Prize Picks. Locked On Aggies presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. All right, let's continue this conversation. So offensively, what went wrong? Um, there was a lot. I mean, I'm going to take a big look now. There was a ton that was wrong. Actually, what went right? Um, Isaiah Spiller. Isaiah Spiller was right. One play was 100% true his entire game. He struggled moving the ball on the ground, but he got 
one really, really good run. The 67-yard touchdown that put AM back into the game in the third quarter uh, to bring the total down 17-10. to 10. It felt like AM was getting the momentum. But I do want to give a lot of credit to two players on that play. One is Bryce Foster, who has struggled because if he is a freshman starting in the SEC, had a really good chip block. When you go back, watch the play. Watch, watch Bryce Foster close that gap immediately. And then on the other side, watch Blake Trainer. He is a right tackle by trade. They ended up moving him over to right guard because they want to move um, Kenyon Green back outside. They do a good job of closing two avenues to open up the A-gap so smoothly that at that point, it becomes a foot race. It is one of the most perfect blocks you were ever going to see executed. Trainer gets the defensive tackles outside shoulder. Foster gets a good chip to open up the lane to get to the linebacker to get to that second level. Opens the clear running ring. It's a foot race to the end zone. It is perfectly executed by the offensive line that allows Spiller to break free. And at that point, it's a foot race. That was his 21st touchdown, I believe, as a Texan and Maggie, which is so great for him because of the success that he has had in this university is second to none as being basically the lead back since coming out of Klein Collins in 2019. He has been the staple movement. He was great. Now, what went wrong? Uh, basically everything else. Uh, I mean, honestly, the offensive line immensely struggled once again. And I know for a fact that when you look down at the veteranship and the leadership and what Arkansas brings as that sixth, you know, that six-year roster, so many players came back for an extra season because of they wanted to win. They wanted to be a part of the system. They wanted to be a member of Arkansas football. That could be something special. So you had five or six players who are six years starting on that defensive front, yeah, you're going to have a lot of success in that sense because of they know the camaraderie. They know the excessiveness together. But at one point, you got to remember, four Aggie offensive linemen were freshmen or true freshmen in the sense because you had Bryce Foster starting at center. You had Aki starting at left guard. You had Ruben Fathery starting at left tackle. And, um, oh, no, it was only three at that game. So it was only three because, yeah, because there was no Layden Robinson. But at some point... You could see up to four offensive linemen who are all freshmen or some type of freshman, whether it be a redshirt freshman or a first-year starter. But Blake Trainer, redshirt sophomore, coming in, not really getting a lot of snaps. Again, it still is Kenyon Green at that uh, right tackle spot and a bunch of youngins. So guess what they did? They bullied them. They plain and simple. They bullied them every single play. I watched so many snaps where Fathery, who I do believe is going to be an excellent left tackle prospect for AM down the line. He is going to be a superstar at some point. At that time period, when you look at what AM can do and what AM, what it brings to AM's table, um, it, it's great. But he was blown back on multitude of plays on every single snap. It looked like he was losing the battle. Bryce Foster, slow out the brakes. And that's not an insult to him. That's just how fast Arkansas's defensive line was moving. He struggled to get that initial block that allowed pressure to come up the middle to Zach Calzada. Which brings me to my main point. You can't win. With quarterback that way. You just can't. And I don't know if that was Daryl Dickey. I don't know if that was Jimbo Fisher. I don't know what it was. But if you are not going to extend plays down the field, and don't get me wrong, I get it. You didn't have Chase Lane. You didn't have Caleb Chapman. You didn't have two excellent receivers. You're really targeting Anaya Smith. You were very limited on getting uh, getting the ball to Jalen Weidemeyer. And Barry Odom's defense was playing a six-man defensive backfield, which put more pressure and better coverage on AM's weapons, that you had to do a lot of dumb passes. But I counted four plays where if he would have thrown the ball at that time, 
on his first read. Because if he went first, second, third, second, third, run, or just dump off, that was what the play was. If he would have gone first, second, first, boom, got it, gain a seven, gain a nine, gain a 14, two plays, he could have had 20 plus yards down the field. Instead, he waited too long. He played quarterback scared. You cannot play quarterback scared in the SEC. I don't know what it is. I don't know what happened. Uh, 151 passing yards, no turnover. I mean, one interception, no touchdowns. The interception, honestly, I get. It stinks, but I get it. I, like, I, like I do. Because when you look at the interception as a whole, it's not that bad if you just get the ball a little higher. Ball, good throw, good placement. It looked like it was trending in the right direction. But Bryce Foster gets a little too high in his pass protecting set. The ball is a little too low. Bounces off the back of his helmet. Hangs in the air long enough. Arkansas cornerback. I'm blanking on his name. Um, something, I believe it is. Let's it fly just enough. Gets his hands underneath the ball. Beautifully caught interception. I know a lot of people said it, it moved in his hands. No, if you watch the play, the ball is moving as his hands are underneath it and it pops up into his chest. That is how it is in interception. It does move, but it moves controlled in his hands. It doesn't move well after the catch, which is a big difference when you break that down. Everything about this Texas A&M team, everything about the way Texas A&M played, everything about the way Texas A&M showed offensively was weak. They couldn't run the ball. Devon Aching was contained completely. That home run speed, I think he got one first down on the day. When you look at uh, Spiller, wasn't able to move the ball besides that 67-yard touchdown. Offensive line, blown back every single set. Calzada, playing scared. Dump passes, quick, 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 quick. I think it was like 14 first downs. I think all of them came on like third and short. One came, I think like one came on like a third and seven or like a third and eight. Everything else, short, short, short. Because that was all Calzada could do. You cannot play offense like that and expect to be successful in the SEC. You have to be willing to take deep shots. You have to be willing to take that next step. You have to be willing to go ahead and extend plays downfield. And I get it. Demond Demas is a little bit inexperienced, so you don't know what you got with him. I understand you didn't have Chase Lane and Kayla Chapman. It, it's not a good enough excuse. It, it just isn't. There, there, there's not an excuse for that. You can't tell me for one second that that's okay. So Jimbo Fisher has to figure that out. Whether you go to Blake Bose, the walk-on from, I think it's Syke Lakes. Um, I want to say it's there. I'm, I'm not sure. I know he's a walk-on. If you got to go to him, you go to him. If you have to have an open competition for quarterback until Haynes King gets back, go ahead. Do it. But performances like that, when an offensive line is not getting enough blocks for your run game to be supportive, you cannot win football games. You, you honestly just can't. So that's why when I said, oh yeah, 20 to 10, you only lost by 10. No, you only got 10 points by pure dumb luck. It really could have been 20 to three and nobody should have been surprised. Like nobody should have been surprised. So let's go ahead and talk about this real fast. Every single day after my show, just saying it on the Sports Map Radio Network, I go work out. And one of the biggest things I hate is after I come home and shower, I still am sweaty. I live in Houston, Texas. It is very hot. It is very sticky. It is very muggy. And I sweat profusely. It is disgusting. And I just want to be able to make sure I don't sweat when I'm in a press conference, when I'm in an interview, when I'm on a date with my girlfriend. I don't want to do that. So what I do is I use sweat block. Sweat block is the number one anti-perspirant wipe that you can find. All you do is simply apply it the night before, go ahead and shower, wake up the next morning, you feel refreshed, and you will not sweat for 48 hours guaranteed. 
I go work out now. I go shower the day before. When I come home from the gym, I am smelling like a fresh daisy outside of my gym stink. I'm able to sweat it off, go to practice in the heat of the Texas summer, and guess what? I am dry. That is the best part about it. Go visit sweatblock.com, or more importantly, you can go ahead and visit amazon.com because it's the number one selling product on Amazon right now and get 20% off by using the promo code locked on. That's locked on for 20% off at sweatblock.com or on amazon.com. Stop the sweat with sweatblock. This episode of Locked on Aggies is brought to you by Built Bar, where a candy bar meets a protein bar. Did you know that Built Bar has nine unique flavors? So whatever you're into, whether you be a coconut person, a cherry barcia person, a peanut butter brownie, or even a cookie dough crunch, they have that flavor for you. And if you don't know what flavor you like, that's totally okay because the bars are unique to where you can get the extra variety pack all nine flavors, two of each bar. That way you know what to buy the next time you want to purchase. The bars are great for anybody on the keto diet. They help you lose or maintain weight. Most bars contain about 130 grams of cal- 130 calories, five grams of sugar, five grams of protein, five grams of net carbs. There's not a product like this out on the shelves today. Go visit BuiltBar.com and like type in LOCKED15 to save 15% off your very first order at BuiltBar.com. LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Stop eating the salty sweets and enjoy a treat that will meet your needs. Built Bar from BuiltBar.com. Locked on Aggies presented by the Locked on Podcast Network. Betting on college football does not have to be a guessing game. Simply when you listen to the new Locked on Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and Paramount expert Lee Sterling. The daily picks, wagers, prop bets, and of course, please lock the day every single day when you listen to the Locked on Bets podcast presented by BetOnline.ag. Find it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast listening systems. And as always, make sure and thank you so much for being our first listen every single day here at Locked on Aggies and, of course, on Locked on Bets. So defensively, let's go ahead and talk about it because that is where I have a lot of problems. KJ Jefferson was going to move the ball. I don't think anybody doubted that. And A&M still held Arkansas to, I think, their league low in rushing this year, 149 yards. Not that bad. But it was 49 rushing attempts. Four players averaged over 4.5 yards per carry. Nobody had more than 100 yards in the day, but they consistently were able to move the ball. They had more first downs rushing than I think A&M had all day, if I'm not mistaken. A&M, defensively, had two plays that bugged the living crap out of me. Let's start off with the first one. Uh, It was the touchdown pass to Traylon Burke. That is his back coverage. Plain and simple. That's his back coverage. You allow the wide receiver, who is a big physical guy, to out-bully you, get behind you, and you get the play. Immediate touchdown. Kind of saw that coming from a mile away. That was one of four passes. One of four that K.J. Jefferson completed in the first 20 minutes of the game. One of four. He completed two passes the entire first, the entire first 20 minutes. He had four attempts. That was one. The second one was the A.J. Green play. That was a first down. Don't think anybody's going to deny that. It was like a, it was like a, a second and seven, and that was going to be a first down because he got past the marker. Most defenders right now, they're trying to do this move, the throw them out with the shoulder, kind of you know keep their hands up. They're just kind of you know clock block them, use the shoulder, try and knock them out their knock them out their pace. When did that start becoming a thing? Like like when did that start becoming like a big thing? Because of, I see it all the time, and I see it not just at A and M, I see it at Alabama. I see it at Clemson. I see it at Notre Dame. I see it at Ohio State. I see it in the pros. When did that become a thing? When did it become a, oh, I'm just going to knock you out my shoulder kind of thing? Because guess what happened? AJ Green bounced off of three AM defenders, 
One tried to make a tackle on Aaron Hansford. He got blown to the side. And basically at that point, it was foot race. It was 17-0 because of you tried to shoulder tackle. Because of the fact that you could not make a play with your hands and you tried to shoulder tackle somebody, 17-0. At that point, I knew the game was over. The way AM's offense was playing and that type of play was enough for me to go, I've seen enough. I, I have seen enough. I'm good. I don't need to see anymore. Thank you. I appreciate everything that you did, but I'm good. I have seen what I need to see. And I don't need to really worry about anything else because of if you're going to play this way, you're going to struggle. That's just, that's just plain and simple. Jefferson gets hurt. Malik Hornsby comes in. They move the ball a little bit. Nothing, nothing crazy. They do get the interception. They do capitalize with a 24-yard field goal from Cam Little to extend the lead from 17-10 to 20-10. to But at that point, the damage was done. It was the sluggish start from the defense that we've seen twice now against Power 5 schools. Sluggish against Colorado. Sluggish against Arkansas. That really irked me. That really kind of made my blood boil. That really set me in motion of what is going on. Like, what are we actually doing here? That is not okay. That, that, that's not even close to being okay. Tackle. Use your arms. Bring them down. Hold them up. Honestly, run your feet. I was told for years playing, playing football. Run your feet. Run your feet. Run your feet. If you run your feet, even if you don't bring them down, what you're doing is your motion, your motion and their motion, their inertia are fighting right here to allow another person to come in and get the kill. They may get the tackle, but you stop the play. You stop the play from happening. Instead, we see, nyah, 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 and it's like, what are we doing? Use your hands. That's what they're there for. I get defenders are defenders because of a reason, because they can't catch a football. That's the old saying. It's not true, but let's just pretend it is. Use your hands to tackle. It's not that hard. That's all you have to do. Bring a player down by tackling them. Why is this so hard to, to understand? Plays like that are so irritating because if you know that that should just be a first down and instead it's a 48-yard touchdown and the all momentum and all the drive and all the energy is sucked out of AM until Isaiah Spiller gets his touchdown. If they stop that play, I at least think AM gets back into this game in the first half. Maybe it's um, you know, maybe it maybe it's 10-10. Maybe it's uh maybe I mean maybe it's 17-10 at that point. Maybe they don't sell for the field goal. Maybe they get a touchdown. Maybe it's 17-7 uh, going in the halftime, and then it's 14-17. You know, maybe it's that at some point. But instead, you go ahead and arm tackle and allow that play to happen. If you're playing SEC football, try doing that against Alabama. Try doing that against LSU. Try doing that against Ole Miss's players. Like, let's just go Ole Miss for that reason. Arkansas is a physical team that does have exactly what you want in that kind of ground and pound style, which makes a lot of sense because of when the Razorbacks were at their greatest, it was because they had a great run game and they were physical up front. That is exactly what I think of when I think of Arkansas football. And that's exactly what you saw on Saturday in Arlington. You cannot arm tackle. You have got to bring your full body and you cannot just give you, drop your shoulder and hope they fly over you and make a big play. You can't do that. I don't know why anybody thinks that you can, but the fact that that was one of the biggest reasons why AM loses this game with the defense that before this game allowed 5.7 points per game and had not allowed a team to score since the first quarter of Denver in week two. That's why you give up two touchdowns because of bad coverage. I totally get everyone gets a bad play and then failing to make a freaking tackle. Give me a break. I hope AM fans are pissed because I'm pissed. 
I'm pissed because of it's not fair to watch this play. And it's not fair for fans to sit there and go, oh my God, what are we doing? It was a poor showing completely. So what's my grade for AM on this game? I'm going to give him a D. The only reason I'm not going to give him an F is because you got a touchdown. You were able to control the ball basically the entire second half. KJ Jefferson gets injured. That completely changes the momentum of the game. So I can't give you an F. If I give the offense a grade, I'd give it a D minus. If I give the defense a grade, I'd give it a C plus to average out to be a D, to be a straight up D. You cannot play D football in the SEC and not only be a top 10 team or a top 15 team, you won't be ranked if you play D football for the remainder of the year. And that's going to be a really big subject of conversation moving to the rest of the season as Mississippi State comes into town next week, as Alabama comes in the week after that, as Missouri, their kind of style of football really has been working. You also have Ole Miss, Auburn, who is probably changing from Bo Nix to TJ Finley. All of that and much, much more. Those are things that we have to look forward to. If this is the SEC football that we're seeing from Texas A&M, six wins feels more plausible than 10. Six actually feels like a really set number. And honestly, six feels like a, wow, we're lucky to have that. The way the offense is looking with the way the offensive line has played, with the way Zach Calzada has played, and some of the play calling itself. So we'll talk about that and much, much more. But that's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Aggies. Make sure you're following us on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson. Name right down there below and Locked on Aggies. Plus, thank you so much for making us your very first listen of the day right here at Locked on Aggies. Subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast listening systems. I'll be back tomorrow to break down everything we've heard at Jimbo Christmas Press Conference later today. We will see you then. And remember, take me all. This has been Locked on Aggies. Presented by the Locked On Podcast Network.